the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with me, Renee Paquette. Uh, Today on the show, I am joined by a gal pal of mine. You guys, of course, know her as one third of the Riot Squad. She formerly went as Sarah Logan, now Sarah Rowe. She's good to have a chat with a girlfriend, you know? We really don't even talk all that much wrestling. Of course, we get into like a little bit here and there, kind of near the tail end. But I just find everything she's doing right now pretty fascinating. Just really kind of going for that off-grid lifestyle. She's got her own farm and very self-sustainable. And she's in mom life right now, which... You know, she was so great as soon as um, I kind of announced that I was pregnant. Her and I had been talking so much and she had reached out a bunch just to see how I was doing, how the baby's doing, sent some really great stuff to the house to just kind of get me on the right track with all these mom things that I didn't know anything about because I had never been a mom before. Um, So she really uh, set a girl up for some success. So much appreciation to her. Um, But yeah, just cool to have her on and talk about, yeah, all the farming stuff she's doing, all the hunting, sort of the backlash that comes from those things, uh, because social media, as we know, can be a interesting place, uh, no matter which way you cut it, whether you're posting something that's not controversial, people still find a way to to get up your ass about it, because that's what social media is about. So it's cool to just have a chat with her and hear her mindset on everything, what's going on with her. And then also talking to her about tapping into her feminine side, um, something that I think a lot of women can kind of relate to if you're not always just rolling out of bed with a full set of lashes and hair looking nice and skin looking nice and, you know, trying to do all those things to stay on top of it. For me, at least being away from the world of television, I'm not always in hair and makeup. I'm not always in like a great outfit. I'm just in my sweats. I've become a mom. So it really kind of messes with your identity of who you are and what you're kind of bringing to the table. So we have a cool conversation about that. Uh, So let's get into it. Here she is. It's Sarah Rowe. What have you been up to? What's happening? What is going on in your life? It's so nice to see your face. It's been crazy. Um, We have a fully functioning farm now. We have six cows about to be seven any day now. One of our cows is about to calf. We have a full like regenerative agriculture farm. We have chickens. We have a full commercial gym that just me and Ray use. Um, I've had a child. I've written a children's book. YouTube channel is is awesome and going. Um, I don't know. Just I don't think I forget anything. A lot yeah. of things. Okay, I have a million different follow-ups. First of all, this calf that's being born, are you going to deliver this calf? Awesome thing about the cows we have. So we have Scottish Highland cows, like those fluffy cows that everyone freaks out the about. The cute ones. Yes. Well, these cute cows are the oldest recorded breed ever. Like from like the sixth century, they were the first recorded breed of any animal. So they're like, it's what's called a heritage breed. And what's awesome about heritage breeds is they haven't really been messed with. So like the cows that like Angus cows or Hertford cows, they kind of have calves that are too big for their bodies because of kind of what they've been fed and how they've been bred and yada, yada, yada. The Highland cows don't have that issue. So like if I have to go out there and help pull this calf, it might not make it. It's probably not going to make it. Like they, they go in a corner of the woods by themselves and I'll wake up and there's a calf on the ground. I'm like, there's a new baby outside. Ah. So this has happened already on your farm. You've already had the calves. Twice now. Two calves. We have two, like, they're probably, 
One's five months old. One's four months old. How do you not bring them in the house? Because they are cute as all hell. So they're like very similar to like Buffalo. Like they're very like present if we have food. I've touched them once when they were first born to like check the sex and one like almost kicked me in the face <laughs> and they got horns, you know, so you got to watch out for those. In the children's book, what's happening here? What is the concept of the book? Is it being published? What's going on? We're shopping publishers right now. Um, it is a... Uh, Did my girl help you out? I just got to talk to her. She's fantastic. Oh my God. So good. Yay. She's like, we got all these publisher companies signed up. And I'm like, awesome. You're you feel so wanted. Thank you. Shout out to Amanda Ludecki. My girl, Sarah's girl, John's girl. She's the shit. So I thought of this book when I was trying to put my son to sleep. It's about a left-handed kid and like a right-handed kid's world, right? He's like the only left-handed kid in his class. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so special. I write with my left hand and no one else does. Like everyone, look how awesome and special I am. And no one really acknowledges him that he's super special for having his left hand. So he gets so embarrassed. So he storms out of class and he's like, I'm going to show the world I'm special. And so he starts doing these things that, um, that are kind of, I don't know if anyone's ever seen South Park, like Professor Chaos. He does things that are like evil villainous, but like no one even notices because they're so small. So it's a book series of him doing things as a supervillain, like a little kid supervillain to make the world left-handed because he feels like he should be more special. When the moral of the story is, you're special just in yourself. Like you don't have to act out to be special. Like you are special. So the book is happening. You're shopping out to some publishers. Is it illustrated? It's kind of ready to go. Like I presented it as like, here's the book. Wow. Let's sell it. Who illustrated it? This guy on Instagram, his name's Eric Lervoy. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He writes like comic books and all kinds of stuff for like wrestlers. He like illustrated something for me, like as like Sarah Logan or in like did some farm stuff. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking of writing this children's book. He's like, seriously, that's what I do. I'm an illustrator. I just told him about the book. He's like, this is a great idea. All right, sweet. So that's happening. Um, I can bring things back to the cows now because I wanted to talk about farm life. Why did you and Ray decide that farm life was the way to go for you guys? Because it seems because you guys started kind of getting into it already before you left WWE. It was our, the, the wheels were in motion for that. And what part of Ohio are you guys in again? If Unless you don't want to share. We're in like the Cleveland area, like northern Ohio. Yeah. OK, so why? Yeah. Why did this happen? Why did you guys and where do you even start? How do you start a fucking farm? You need land, which is, well, I mean, you don't need a lot of land. Like a lot of people have a fully functioning farm on like two acres. We have 50 out here in Ohio. When people watch those like terrible videos of like animals being tortured and food lots and the butchering process and all that stuff. So when people watch that stuff, it makes them want to stop eating meat altogether. Like I'm going vegetarian, I'm going vegan. I'm not going to support this. When I watch that kind of stuff, I think I'm going to raise my own. I'm going to become part of the process and try to make it better, you know, make it more sustainable. Our cows are going to have like one bad day. Like we're going to butcher them here. We're going to slaughter them here. Because like a lot of butchering places like won't take cattle with horns. So like they cut their horns off before they butcher them. Why won't they take the horns? It damages up a bunch of stuff. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's purely like a cost benefit kind of thing. But, um. We choose to grass feed our cows. We chose a breed that isn't as big as other cows. So like normally if you want to do beef cattle, you get like Angus cows. It takes us like twice as long to grow a cow up to butchering weight, feeding it grass than it does corn. What is butchering weight? For the cows here, probably like 1,600 pounds. 
grass feeding to that point can be done and it's how it used to be done, but it takes about twice as long. So I can understand why big butchering companies are just trying to get cows the biggest and the fastest as they can because that's like the most profitable. However, like it's destroying like the ground and even like corn and soybeans and stuff like that. Like it just takes from the ground. It doesn't give back. So how farming used to be done, even if you're growing corn, you would grow corn, corn would grow, you would harvest it. You'd put the cows on the harvested corn stalks. The cows would eat it down. And then the cows, obviously when they eat, they poop and the poop and the cows put CO2 back into the ground and then you can grow again. So like that's after you see a corn field that's been like harvested, it looks like a barren wasteland. Like you have to pump chemicals back into that soil to get it to grow again. And that used to be done with animals. It's how the ecosystem works. You know, it's, it's how those kind of things work. So we have pasture here. We grow our own hay. So the cows kind of are giving back to the earth. So we kind of want to leave our, you know, like leave this piece of ground for our kids and our kids' kids. So like you're going to be able to live here and have like a great, fantastic life. And you would not leave the property. How happy were you in this past year and a half that you guys are so self-sustainable with everything that you have there? Like you probably never had to leave your property. No, like not really, especially because we hunt and we hunt for meat almost exclusively. Like people think when you have like a mount on your wall, like a deer, that the meat was wasted. And when that's just like the skin. So like we have freezer full of deer, like me and Ray each get about six deer a year. So like my son this morning ate a backstrap off a deer that we had hunted and it freaking warms my heart, you know? So we have 20 acres of kind of like pasture for our cows and we have 30 acres of woods behind it. And the chickens and cows work together. So the cows poop and the chickens go up to the cow poop and they scratch it and they spread it around and it fertilizes stuff even more. You guys are doing it right over there. It makes me so happy to look outside and be like, look at all the things that are happening. How did you learn to butcher your own meat? Because you you were doing that prior to you guys starting your own farm. Because I mean, you've hunted for a long time. How do you learn to do that? Who kind of guided you through figuring all that out? And were you a little terrified the first time you did it? I had like the traditional kind of hunting story where like my family did it and they passed it on to me. Ray is a adult onset hunter. Like he didn't hunt until I showed him. But like, honestly, by the time you're in the butchering process, you're so invested in what you're doing. And like, that's the reason you put that animal down. I think the taking the animal is the hardest part. Like with deer, like I enjoy the process because I work so hard for the hunt. I've trained all year long to make that shot for the animal. I'm butchering it and not waste, try not to waste any kind of meat. And then after you butcher it, you pack it together and then you eat it for like a year. It's such like a rewarding thing to kind of know where your food comes from. I remember seeing you kind of post about this a while ago, um, but the backlash that you get on your social media from posting your hunting and posting the farm stuff, what is that like? And where do you kind of pick and choose to like, or do you choose to filter that stuff now? Or you just say, F it, that it is what it is. Originally, I did choose to filter, right? I worked for a very public company that's very PG. And I was like, man, it's such a big part of my life, but I don't want to make people uncomfortable. A lot of people like being blind to where their food comes from. And if that's you, that's cool. But I got my first like compound bow kill and I'd been training. Literally, I'd shot today. Like I train almost every day to shoot a animal with a bow. You're a real life Katniss Everdeen and I respect it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, 
I got my first compound bow kill and it was a clean ethical shot. Like she went like 20 yards and fell. Like I was so proud. And I tried to take a super artsy shot, right? Like I was in front of the deer. You could see it was my hair. You could see the deer's butt. Like you could tell there was a deer. And it didn't matter that I tried to be respectful. People still like death threats, threats against my future children, threats against Ray, threats against all this. And I was like, well, screw it. This is a big part of my life. So if I'm getting so much attention for it anyway, I want to bring a ethical light to it. I mean, obviously I don't hunt. I don't know anything about this world. Uh, my father-in-law hunts, so he knows all about it. So, I mean, I've, I've overheard his conversations about it. And, you know, I, I obviously get where you're coming from, especially like ethically and wanting to grow all your own stuff. And all of that is fantastic. But when you see on social media, sort of like the backlash for what you're getting, where you are doing all of the right things, as opposed to when you see somebody that's just out like, you know, obviously when people lose their shit as they should, when someone's out just like hunting a lion or an elephant or things like that, like those are such completely different things. What is like your viewpoint on where those two things kind of stand? There's hunts I wouldn't, I simply wouldn't go on. I would never go through the turmoil of hunting an elephant because how the hell am I supposed to get that meat home? But I'm not comfortable and I won't partake in, it's called just trophy hunting. I like to be a part of the ecosystem when I hunt. Like if you go outside and you sit in the woods, like everything's trying to kill each other, but that's how things work. That's how things thrive. And I remember one of my first times going hunting, just kind of understanding, like, cause you're like, that's so beautiful. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like end that, you know, like, like, look, it's doing its thing. It's doing its, but like deer don't die of old age. They get hit by cars. They die of infection. They get eaten while they're still alive by predators. If I can deliver a clean heart shot on a deer, it doesn't know it got hit. It keeps walking. It gets tired. It falls asleep and it's dead. What do you recommend for people to be educated on this more? So there is a show. It kind of got Ray into hunting. It shows you a different side of it. It's a guy called Steven Ranella, and it's a show on Netflix called Meat Eater. And this guy kind of showed Ray the... Because he didn't really want to hunt before he saw this show. It brings the story. Like a lot of hunting shows are like, yeah, we're in Ohio. Oh my God, there's a deer. Oh, dead. Yeah. But like what's beautiful about hunting is the kill is the shortest part of hunting. The least exciting part of hunting. It's the setup. It's being in the woods. It's learning about where the deer go, how the deer are, like learning what the deer are up to. And then after you put it down, like, that's where the work starts. Like the, the, the three seconds it takes to take the animal down. There's no feeling in that. It's, it's, it's kind of like wrestling. Like no one's going to remember what you do. They're going to remember how you made them feel. Same with hunting. So meat eater on Netflix is where I would, I would kind of start and then kind of goes from there. So you guys are on such a meat eating diet. Like what's, what is the ratio of like meat to vegetables to carbs and now Cash is on that. The video of him eating meat with no little teeth blew my mind. To see him take a piece of meat without even knowing and go like this and rip it. I'm like, beautiful. Do your thing, son. Like, I love it. <laughs> so like me and Ray, I don't eat any vegetables whatsoever. I haven't in years. Um, I eat carbs just because I'm cutting weight from being pregnant. But I'm still like 80, 20, like meat heavy. How do you feel eating so much meat? And when you like fully converted over to it being sort of like that 80-20 ratio? So the um, modern westernized version of me was wanting to kind of eat like lean meats, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to eat, you know, like 
lean fish and chicken and less fatty steak. And your fat ratio has to be so high. So like I've done low carb before. I was, I was the chubby girl in Japan and I was trying to like cut that shit out when I was like 18. Like I eat 16 ounces of ribeye every day. And so like when I'm truly carnivore, like I live out in the middle of nowhere. So I eat the same thing. Like I can't just run down the road to freaking whatever restaurant. I ate six eggs, six pieces of bacon for lunch. I ate two burger patties. And for dinner, I ate 16 ounces of ribeye. And because I was so nutrient dense, my period decided to come back six weeks postpartum while I'm still breastfeeding. Wow. My body's like, we're, we have, we're nutrient dense. We're ready. I was kind of offended because I was not ready to have more kids <laughs> mentally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe you we were just eating for health. Like if you just want to be the healthiest version you can be, being animal based is the way to go. And like, you can look up any diet and convince yourself that sure. this is the healthiest way to go. And it's, all, and it's all about like how you feel like I have bad allergies and I like my stomach, especially when I first got caught up to WWE, my stomach was wrecked and I didn't know why, like I couldn't understand. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And it wasn't until I went completely carnivore, my inflammation, like my allergies, especially like my, my face got so much better. And my stomach was night and day. All right. So you're full carnivore. Baby is carnivore. How is little cash? How is being a mom? How is mom life treating you? Ray, can you bring me cash? Let me see this little man. Cash is fantastic. He's um, six months. He's uh, 21 and a half pounds, exclusively breastfed unless he chews on meats. Oh, hi, buddy. Hi, Baba. Hi. You want to see? Oh my God, how stinking cute is he? Hi, little meat man. Boxing legend Manny Pacquiao returns to the ring this Saturday for the first time in two years. And FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers exclusive 30 to 1 odds on either fighter to win when he takes on your Danies Ugas. That's right. Now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot because you can win $150 on a $5 bet. FanDuel is always hooking you up with exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more. That's why they're America's number one sports book. And don't miss out on your chance to win $150 on a $5 bet when Manny Pacquiao returns to the ring against your Danies Ugas. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E to get in on the action. That is promo code Renee. Disclaimer, must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. Odds boost available for new users only. Must wager on designated boost market. $10 first deposit required. Max bonus $150. Risk-free bet refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See full terms for both offers at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER, New Jersey and Virginia, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. So how do you juggle being at home, being a mom, and and stepping away from wrestling, which you have done for so long, to now switching gears into this mode? I know that can't always be easy. So as a child, my um, my family were like in survival mode constantly. My Both my parents were for the most part, like working, we saw them when they weren't at work and like we moved around a lot and there was a lot of like consistency in my life just because we didn't have much, you know? And, um, it's so important to me to 
be consistent and like involved in his life. Like I want to like homeschool and I want to have him kind of grow up here. Like we're going to really make sure we're diligent and like extracurricular activities. Like there's a bunch of local hike groups and camp groups and like all this stuff. I'm going to be that mom that like doesn't know where to go because I'm doing so many things for my kid. But um, I'm really looking forward to kind of cultivating like our little family here. And I, I feel like we're perfect candidates for homeschooling because we have so many like little odds and ends and jobs here that we do that I can just incorporate kind of, you know, math, science, arithmetic, all that kind of stuff into kind of our daily lives and just kind of like let him lead and like support and educate the best I can with like his interests. Does that like overwhelm you at all thinking about like, cause honestly, even like the idea of like Nora going to school and big, I'm never going to know what she's talking about. I'm like, wait, what is this like class you're taking? What's happening? Like that overwhelms me. And I don't have to be in the driver's seat for that, where I can just like, you know, I can help obviously as much as I can when she brings stuff home, but for you to be the one to be like kind of doling out these lessons and keeping him up to whatever level kids need to be at for each grade and all that, like, how do you wrap your head around that? So one thing, we are going to homeschool him until high school and then send him to St. Ignatius where is where Ray went. I don't know how this is in other countries. I haven't dug that deep into this yet, but you don't need a high school education to go to college. Really? So say that Cash doesn't want to go to high school, right? He's doing great. He's he's doing a bunch of like extra clicker things. This kid is busy as shit, but he loves math, for instance. He can go to community college as a teenager get two years of community college, well, that will be enough for him to go to any college he wants, Harvard, any Ivy League school, anything like that. It shocked me because I've been doing a lot of research. Like, granted, my kid's only six months old. So, like, I'm trying to, like... Well, good to get ahead of it because, honestly, shit, the time flies so quick that all of a sudden you're like, wait, I wish I did some of that research because I have no idea what's going on. And that's, like, a whole can of worms. Like, I'm sure people will be up in fucking arms about this, too. (laughs) So like it blew my mind that kids don't need a high school education to go to uh, college. And a lot of like people are like, you know, if you're homeschooled, like your kids will be homeschooled. Like, why would you do that to them? They're going to be so socially awkward. If we just kept cash here at the house, didn't socialize him and homeschooled him and all the interaction he had was with me and Ray, any person would be weird hanging out with me for that. (laughs) I'm going to kind of keep it open. Like say if he's in fifth grade and he's like, mom, I really want to go to school. All right, dude, cool. Go to school. I just want what's best for him. You know, I feel like that's what all parents at the end of the day are doing, what they think is best for their kids. So you can't really get on someone for that. Yeah. And I think also, I'm sure there's so many people that are in the same boat, again, given this past year and a half when kids have been home and parents have had to step up and do the education system with their kids. Like I can't imagine how difficult that is. Luckily, I just got to be pregnant and at home during all of that. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I didn't have to worry about any of like the, the repercussions of, of things like that, of having your kids at home and educating them and all that. But yeah, just like putting them on the right track. Like I want my kids to go to school and to play sports and do all these things so that they understand other authority figures. That's the thing for me of like, I want them to like, to know, to respect other people. And I, again, I mean, yeah, they can get that through these other things that you're saying through different programs and whatnot, but that's just something that like, I, I worry about my kids not listening to me or something after a while being like, can hey, you to like understand this from somebody else? Cause you're just mom. And what do you know? And also with like homeschooling, like a lot of parents, don't pick what's best for them as well. Like you understand that you are 
the one giving this information and you're the one that's going to be working harder than your freaking kid is for this. Yeah. So like, it has to be something that you also can want to and are passionate about doing. Like if you hate every part of homeschooling and you're trying to, your kid's not going to give a shit if you don't give a shit. And who knows? I could be like, I'm homeschool my kid. I can get to second grade and be like, screw this. This kid's going to school. You yeah. Know? So yeah, I'm open to like, like I thought I, I was positive. I was going to have a home birth. And it just didn't go that way, you know? So, like, you got to be open to other ventures. Yeah, it's it's so crazy thinking about, like, the world that our kids are going to grow up in. And I feel like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, but, like, we were able to still grow up without social media, without our phones, that we had to, like, get outside and do stuff. And that's something I get so worried about with Nora is being like, geez, like, what is she going to grow up with? Like going to school and like what the bullying is like and what social media can be like and trying to protect her from those things, but also not wanting her to not know what things are. I don't want to give her a disadvantage of not knowing things. Do you imagine like being at school all the time? That's what like social media is for me. Like, do you imagine going to school, getting home and not being able to go home and like the school comes with you? The taunting and the bullying comes with you. Like that is. That's awful. It makes it like, it Ugh. makes me so sad. Gives me anxiety. <laughs> I, know I would love for it all to just kind of go away, but there's such a currency that comes with it. And I mean, I feel that with my social media that there's times that I'm like, God, it's such a tall order to keep up with things and trying to appease everybody. And like, it's impossible that it becomes just so much more work. And you think about it, you're right. You you never stop working. It, it's bringing your work home. You're constantly on there, like sifting through stuff. Your brain's working way more than it needs to. And not just having regular conversations with like the people that are in the fucking room with you. We've never cared about people and not cared about them so much at this point. Like you care because you want to see. Yeah, yeah totally. Why am I it? looking at this? It's just such a, it's such a habitual thing that we all do. And it's like a knee jerk reaction of like, I've got two free seconds. Might as well scroll through this shit and hit a bunch of fucking heart buttons. Like who cares? Like, don't let me be bored for two seconds. Like, yes. I'm ter- like, I'm terrified. I'm dare I be alone with my thoughts for a second. Yes. I'm terrified. I'm like, that cash won't be bored. They need to learn how to like be imaginative and think about things to do or or go do some chores, go find some other shit to do. Dude, that's why no colored toys with buttons come into my house. Like I've literally told my whole family, like I would throw that shit away. Like don't. <laughs> Get if it you want to buy out. it for you and I can like take a picture of it on the floor, but no, it's not staying in here. Like we just have a kind of like a very monastery, you know, like, like open-ended toys. Like he doesn't have one toy with buttons. He doesn't have one toy that makes noise. And he's developing perfectly fine getting into like some wrestling stuff with you like you said i mean you've been wrestling since you were 18 you said 17 17 traveling all over being in japan working in the independent scene getting your opportunity in wwe what was your kind of takeaway from your time in wwe and being able to work with the riot squad and the bond that you guys were all able to form wrestling will never love you as much as you love it and that's one thing i learned like finally like making it to the top, you know, like, you know, I've went from wrestling at state fairs and horse stalls in Kentucky to Madison square garden. And I think wrestling can make you happy. Like it can give you bursts of happiness, but I don't think it can like fulfill you because it's a TV show at the end of the day. I think you should definitely let wrestling make you happy, but you got to be careful with how it makes you feel because it can be very, very unfulfilling. Like, even if you are at the top, 
no telling how long, how long it's going to last. And if you're one of those lucky few people who no matter what you do, you're kind of solid in the company, like that's awesome. But I've been everywhere. I've been from the Indies, like I said, to WWE and, you know, Ring of Honor, NXT, Shine, Shimmer. I mean, every company you could think of, like I've pretty much besides like TNA, AEW, I've been there. The rest is like a drug. Like it can never be enough and you'll never stop. But real things do happen. Like the riot squad, like that's a real thing. That's real relationships and real bonding that like every big moment of each of our lives, like me, Liv and Dory have been together. All of our big wrestling things. All And like, even if I didn't like them, we're bonded forever because we just share those experiences. Like, so, and now Dory lives 10 minutes from me. Like I convinced her to move here and um, she's Cash's god mom. So so I've known her since before WWE, like me and her used to be like joined at the hip because we lived within three hours of each other. So every show on the indies, she was just there. The Riot Squad was definitely something that like I'll like treasure forever. But in wrestling fashion, that got taken away from us in a day. Which was very dumb, by the way, which we know. We know that was very dumb. Feeling like irrelevant is never fun. No. Well, you got we were in Montreal when that happened, right? I feel like I picture it in Montreal and like you guys in the locker room being like yes. devastated. It was such a weird day for me that day because I'm devastated. The riot squad's breaking up and my husband is debuting. I'm yes. Like, oh. yes, that's what it was. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yay. Oh. How is it um, having Ray still be in WWE and doing everything that he's doing and, and you being back at home? Does that like just watching him do his thing? How does what does that do to you? I'm mostly thankful that he's still there. He's why we're able to have the things we have now legitimately. Like I've never in my life let someone like take care of me, but he's doing a tremendous job of it. Uh, To be honest, it's hard for me to watch like WWE television because like, you know, it's, it's an unclosed chapter in my life in my, in my opinion, but I never get anything but happy watching Ray's matches. Like I'll watch raw just so we can watch his match and, me and Ray were together before WWE. Like I know his struggle. I know his, what obstacles he had to overcome to, to get in that seat, you know, to eat at that table. And I'm thankful that he's there for our sake. I love that he's there for his sake. And I don't want him to ever, you know, not work there if that's what he wants to do. What was your relationship with Vince like? We had like a few conversations, but it wasn't like, I wasn't like, hey, Z, you know, like, hey, buddy, <laughs> you don't have that tightest relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I growled at him one time, so I thought he growled at me. Oh, my he God, didn't. I forgot was... about this story. <laughs> what happened there again? Oh, my God, I totally remember you telling me this. So we were at Tribute to the Troops, and I'm like, my mind's blowing because I come from a very military background family. And Vince walks by with his entourage, and he goes, ladies, <clears throat> and I go, Hi, sir. <laughs> and he like stops and it keeps going. And Dory grabs me and she goes, Sarah, did you just growl for this with that? I was like, he growled at me first. And she was like, Sarah, he was clearing his throat. He wasn't growling at you. I was like, oh, I thought we were doing like the you growl, I growl. Thing. Oh so that's fantastic. <laughs> my final day in the WWE um, actually went into Vince's office and so I had it in my brain. I'm going to go in there and just be mean and give a piece of my mind and blah, 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 blah. And I went in there and was the most professional POS that I've ever been in my life. And <laughs> again, wrestling doesn't owe me anything at all. It's given me 
more than I could ever have hoped for. And I went in there and I was like, this has always been my dream job. I lived it. It's given me my best friend and my husband and now my child. I was like, just thank you. And I hope we meet again someday. And I shook his hand and left. And I was like, who would have thought some small town girl from Eastern Kentucky whose family had never left Kentucky would have wrestled the Bellas of Ronda Rousey in Australia, who's wrestling Madison Square Garden, who's going to all, who's going to Madrid, Spain and wrestling. Like I wasn't supposed to do any of that. You did the damn thing. Yeah. And it's just, I couldn't sit there and act like I was pissed because I was a heartbroken. Yes. But like, I had the best time of my life there and my life's still getting better. And you're so young still. You've got so much time ahead of you still. Yeah, I'm 27. Yeah, you're a babe. Come on now. Um, What were some of the conversations that you were having? I don't know if you were having these directly with Vince or not, but when you guys were sort of developing your character within the Riot Squad, I know there's many conversations about makeup because you didn't ever want to wear makeup and you wanted your hair and your dreads. And that was like very much you, but that's never the thing that exists within WWE. So I think it threw him for a loop. Actually, he was really cool about it to me. I don't know what was said elsewhere. So like this kind of makeup is fine with me, right? Just like my eyes or something, but like the WWE kind of makeup, I would watch my matches back and I'm like, that doesn't look like me. And that bothered me. Like, I don't know if I should have gotten over it or whatever, but like it bothered me personally. And I was, I was talking about it and someone was like, go tell him. And I went in there and I was like, Vince, I don't like wearing makeup. It makes my eyes hurt. I don't think I need it. I don't want to wear it. And he's like, I think your face is pretty expressive, is expressive enough not to wear makeup. And I was like, I do too. And he was like, all right. I was like, all right, thank you. And I left and I was like, I walked out and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) do we call it a victory? (laughs) Should I have said more? (laughs) Yeah. So I just stopped wearing it I felt better about myself you know like being feminine has always been super hard for me I grew up with four brothers and it just never was a thing like I never knew what my feminine side was I only knew what my tomboy dude side was like I'm trying to do this now like I've been kind of doing it for a couple months now like trying to find like my feminine side and what that means and who that is and kind of how far I want to go with it Ray's been fantastic he's my fashion dude like <laughs> he's like the way your body is and the way this is cut and like this and, it. and he's just he's just awesome with it he's like the sister i never had who i'm also married to and have children with <laughs> and uh he he's just been so supportive of me like finding that out and like just kind of trying new things and you know trial and error for sure but i'm kind of getting there kind of finding like my style and because when i come back to wrestling like i'm there to make money now I got a family, so I'm going to have to kind of put my uncomfortableness. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable in the sense that I'm comfortable with, if that makes sense. Well, it's the, it's the growth and the change of it. Something like now, it's a thing that you want to explore. That is the thing of like figuring that out. And it's not, you know, I think even using the word uncomfortable is like, it's like anything being like, can I wear these pants? Can I pull off this look? Is this a me thing? And until you can actually like walk down the street and you're like, yeah, fuck that. This is my look right now that it's hard. Sometimes you feel like everyone's looking at you or like, oh God, people are talking about this, whatever. But I really love that you were posting about that, about connecting with your feminine side and figuring out what your femininity was. Is that something, do you find being a a mom has helped kind of catapult you into that as well? My birth, like as traumatic as it was, gave me kind of a confidence and a a surety in myself because 
like I went through some shit with my birth. Like I had it medicated freaking C-section. It was life-changing and something like I'm still like processing. So I kind of realized in another level about how kind of like badass I am and how badass moms are in general. And I was like, I've kind of found that me pushing against the grain, especially WWE, like I was like, I'm not wearing makeup. I'm not wearing a dress. I'm not wearing my outlier kind of personality, which seemed like a lot of confidence in myself as a person, which there is like, I know exactly the hell I am, but like, I wasn't secure enough in myself to try anything different. Also, I wasn't like me wearing this kind of stuff. Isn't going to change who I am. It's just an outfit. But now I'm trying to find just that outfit, but also that it's me. We've been working through some stuff here. at <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's interesting. And like, it, it, I mean, I think that we're all kind of always going through these different evolutions of like, okay, this is who I was, you know, six months ago to a year ago to 10 years ago. And there's pieces of those identity that you hold, you know, very near and dear and those make up who we are. But as we change and we evolve and we grow, it's it's cool to kind of dip your toe into these other things, whether it's the way you look, the way you talk, the things that you're watching, the things that you're reading, the way you do your makeup. Like it's cool to sort of start to tack on these newer parts of yourself to kind of grow and evolve into this next woman that you're going to be. And it's important to surround yourself with people who like support that and that it's okay. You know, like I've been in relationships where like, you know, you change how you do your hair, you change something like you're changing. Like, no, I'm still fundamentally, I'm still the same person. It just takes people secure in themselves and the relationships and all that stuff to allow any kind of change, even like superficial change, like what you wear, what you, you know, like I'm going to start eating just meats. Like why? That's not what you used to do. I know, but like, this, what is, I do now. this is a new yeah. thing I'm going to try out. Yeah. So Ray has been a huge part in like giving me like the confidence and that like extra pep in my step to kind of embrace it. And cause like my family, if I would have walked in with, they'd be like, the hell, the hell are you doing? Like, and I'd be like, oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Wipe off the makeup. You saw nothing. Look <laughs> yeah, away. Exactly. Do you, cause you and, you and Rhonda um, ended up developing like a, a pretty cool relationship. It seemed, I mean, it seems like you guys are really cut from the same cloth. Cause I mean, obviously based off of the farming stuff and now she's stepping into motherhood. She's going through all that to, to even her adjusting to her time in WWE. And I mean, you even look at like sitting in the makeup chair and she had to sit and figure out what's going to work for her and bringing in her people to do that. But did you guys bounce a lot of stuff off of each other through that time? Makeup wise and stuff? No, but we're honestly closer like after WWE than we were like Rhonda's always been someone I, that's been super easy for me to talk to always super awesome to kind of just hang out with. I feel like Rhonda has been in such a singular sport for so long. And I can't speak for her, obviously, but I think it was really special for her to be like part of a team aspect like a WWE. Like I said, she was the female version of Kurt Angle. Like she just took to wrestling so naturally and had such a great attitude. And you would tell she loved to be there. I'm like, I also love to be here. You think that this would be a universal thing back here, but it is not. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rhonda's great. She's, I can't wait to see her become a mom. And she's doing that whole, uh, they're finally selling beef, which she's doing like the Wagyu thing. And we talk about 
cows and pasture and stuff way more than average <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought that like through the world of wrestling that like you guys were able to come together and talk about farming and all these cows and make the meat and all that stuff it's it's really really cool but just I mean I think you being someone that's always you're always there to like lend a hand I mean when I first got pregnant and when I first had Nora you were like always checking in like see how stuff's going and like just be like a, a support system during all of that so thanks for that it's so important like especially with COVID like that village like it takes a village is not there and like moms aren't meant to raise children by themselves there's not even with like a husband even the the most supportive husband in the world like moms and grandmas and like you know like your mom and grandma used to help breastfeed babies you know like back in the back in the day so like i would be so pissed if i walked in and my mom was breastfeeding my kid i'd be carol put those tits away that's not your job uh but (laughs) it it's crazy how like as time has gone on, it's become more of a singular job, you know? And like, I, I would hate if like someone didn't feel supported or was lonely or like, man, I just don't have anyone to talk to about. Uh, so I'm always like, you good? You okay? You did everything? I'm right here. Yeah. And like, you really don't know until you get in it of just like some of the struggles. I mean, like you had a gnarly labor. Mine was pretty gnarly as well. Not quite as bad as yours, but having like that C-section and bouncing back from that to getting into the breastfeeding, like all these things that you just breastfeeding. Oh my God. You like, who knew how crazy that is? No, not me for sure. Everyone's like, Oh, you don't sleep when you have a kid. That's the least of my problems. I'm six months in and just, I'm just now feel like I'm getting into the hang of it. I'm like, I couldn't stop now if I wanted to, because I'm just now getting good at it. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing yes. this. We're doing this for a while and you're going to like gonna it. This. It's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. Well, thank you for that. I always appreciated that you were so cool and reaching out and helping me become a mom while you're doing your mom thing. Oh, of course. I'm happy to do it. Well, thanks for coming on the show, girl. It was a lot of fun to see you and just to see your face and hear about everything that's going on with you. I mean, from everything at the farm to this book that's going to be coming out. I can't wait to hear more about that and to eventually get some boots back on you and get you back to wrestling. I'm ready for all that life has to bring trying to be present but look forward to the future it's very taxing on the mind sure can be but thank you for having me on i've burping um <laughs> your your podcast are like taken off and you've had like lots of cool guests and you know you knew merch so you're, you're doing freaking uh, yeah my new merch you're doing fantastic in all things and still being a kick-ass mom so kudos to you thank you i don't think people know how like inspirational that is because you're just living your freaking life every day and just doing the thing but i'm sure people are like man I'm going to do a little extra today because Renee's getting up every day and cooking and making books and having podcasts. And- yeah, that's what we got to do, right? We got to kind of just keep everybody on the ball and keep moving forward and try to find new things to do as, as we grow and we develop and we become these these people that we are continuing to be. We're not changing. We're growing, bitches. I am Mother Nature. Yeah, <laughs> here we are. All right, I will let you get back to your sweet little baby and um, hopefully you get that new cow soon. Fingers crossed. She, any day now, she's looking... I'm not going to go into specifics of how I know she's about to have a baby because it's gross, but she's (laughs) all (laughs) the signs are there. (laughs) All right, sweet. I will talk to you soon, girl. All right, bye, dude. Thanks. A big thank you to Sarah for joining me and got to see a sweet little baby Cash. What a guy. What a little chunky man just living that carnivore diet. Well, he's like carnivore and also the breast milk. So he's getting a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. 
Um, but what a cute little dude. Oh my God. I love that so many of my friends are having little babies now. I just want to like get everybody together and see these babies all meet each other and what a, what a time. What a time. Uh, so you guys can actually check out this video when we drop it. It will drop it uh, in a couple weeks. Um, Emilio, he's the man behind all the, the YouTube things. Uh, but we will get the video up there so you guys can check out the interview with Sarah Logan, uh, Sarah Rowe, uh, amongst all the other interviews that we do here on Oral Sessions. We're getting into it. Also in the video, you can see my new Oral Sessions merch hoodie which you guys can get your little paws on once uh, I figure out all that information for you guys to get some. Um, all right, so follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. Follow the Volume Sports uh, for both their Instagram and their Twitter. And I started to talk about my YouTube, and I did not tell you where to find it, but just search my name, Renee Paquette, at YouTube. You'll find all of that, uh, as well as all the videos for all of these interviews. Until next time, guys, this has been Oral Sessions. Mm-hmm.